Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. And how blessed we are to be able to be together each day right here on Search the Scriptures and be able to open up God's Word freely and and study all of those rich teachings and truths and commandments and warnings, yes, even uh, rebukes and corrections, but also all of the promises, the blessings, all of the messages of God's love. You know, we're just so blessed to have the Bible, have such ready access to it, to be able to, again, come together through the medium of radio or television and be able to teach God's Word openly without fear of reprisal. How we need to take advantage of this freedom, how we need to take advantage of having such ready access to the Word of God from the throne room in heaven, written down by writers who were inspired by God, guided through the Holy Spirit to write the true word of God, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. So many people in our nation who have not only a Bible, but probably two or three or four in their home, in their possession, fail to open it up, hardly at all, let alone read much from it, or live by those teachings, or at least study those teachings to know how to live by them. How sad that is. We need... We need, in so many cases, a wake-up call. Our nation needs a wake-up call. Many people have referred to the United States of America over many years as a Christian nation. Well, a nation with a whole lot of Christians in it, at least people who claim to be Christians, yes. A Christian nation? I don't know that we ever were that. And certainly, as we look all around us, and it's not unique to the United States of America, it's all across the world, we don't see people living the Christian lifestyle on the widespread basis that we need to be seeing. We don't see nations being governed and guided by the principles of God's Word. We just don't. We see all kinds of corruption. We see all kinds of anger, all kinds of hatred, meanness, violence, lies, and I'm not talking about any particular group of politicians versus another group. I'm talking about across the board. How we need to come back to God. How we need to come back to live by the teachings of his word. I'm thankful that we can have this opportunity to study his word right here on this program each day so that as many as will tune in, and we know that many do tune in, And many more listen via the internet through our website. People can become more and more tuned into and conditioned to live by the true teachings of God's word. And all of this to God's glory. Now, encourage other people to listen to this program. You can do so if they cannot listen at the regular times, even though we're on several times a day and on couple of different stations in the Omaha area, they can go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. And you can do this yourself as well. Scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that. It'll only take you about one minute to sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It will always be free. We're not after your wallet. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, your computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, 
you'll automatically receive every day these radio programs. And again, it's all free. But you'll also receive much more by the way of teachings from God's Word. You receive all of our sermons, all of our Bible studies, and a great daily short 12 or 13 minute Bible study that we call today's Bible class, covering very relevant topics in that particular line of study. And again, all of it will be free and automatic. So you take advantage of it, encourage your friends to take advantage of it, and in that way, even more people can be listening to these great studies from God's Word. At the end of the program, we'll tell you how to contact us. You can ask for the free Bible study that we send out through the mail. It is free. We'll even take care of the postage. Or you can receive a copy of today's program on CD, again for free, and we'll take care of the postage. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and in just a little bit, we'll tell you how you can contact us and take advantage of these free offers. We began this particular line of study, and we'll close it out today, asking the question, how much do you think God loves you? Well, I'm not sure that most of us really give that a great deal of careful, insightful thought. How much does God love me? And how could we possibly answer? Because we are finite beings living in physical bodies in a finite world, and God is infinite, and he is in heaven, eternal in nature. How much does God love you? Well, we talked about how the Apostle Paul spoke of the magnitude of God's love in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes or surpasses knowledge. God's love laid out in four dimensions. The width, the length, the depth, and the height. We've looked through the width. We've talked about what is the width of God's love. Oh, as wide as the world, the borders of the world are wide. As wide is the scope of humanity. And we see all four of these dimensions in one verse of Scripture, John chapter 3 and verse 16, where Jesus said, For God so loved the world. God's love, how wide? The world. Whosoever believes in him, all of humanity. The length of God's love? Well, God's love goes back to before the foundations of the earth. Ephesians 1 and verse 4. He already had in, our, in, in his mind, in his plans, to create us in a loving relationship, to love us. He created us to love, and he created us to love him in return. Created us in his image with a, an eternal soul. And so that's the past tense. He sent his son. What is John 3.16 say again, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. As Jesus was upon this earth, right there in that present time, God sent him to the cross, gave his Son. And then what is the scope or the ultimate distance or length of God's love? 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. There it is, past tense. God's love, past tense, I'm sorry, future tense. God's love, past tense, before the foundation of the world. God's love, present tense, when he sent Jesus into the world, he sent him to that cross, and God still loves us today in the present time. And then future tense, Oh, that we might be with him in heaven for all of eternity, enjoying everlasting life. Future tense. We talked about the depth of God's love. How deeply does God love us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How could the depth of God's love be any better expressed, any more profoundly laid out and communicated than his sending his own son to the cross to die as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. In Romans 5 and verse 8, Paul wrote, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The depth of God's love. We noted the illustration of that Norwegian explorer and Nobel Peace Prize laureate who was trying to, in an expedition to the North Pole, trying to measure the depth of the Arctic Ocean. And every time he dropped his line, it did not touch bottom. And so in the log after that experiment, he would write down how many feet, and then he would make the statement deeper than that. He did that over and over again. And every time, using a longer line, he would still have to say, however many, th- however many feet and deeper than that. And finally, he tied all of the lines together. And then, as they still did not touch bottom, even tied together, his last entry in the log was so many thousand feet and deeper than that. And however you might try to illustrate or describe the depth of God's love. Say, oh, it's, it's like the love of a husband for his wife, or a wife for her husband, or a parent for their children, or the children for their parent, or grandchildren for their grandparents, or grandparents for their grandchildren, or the closest of friendships. However you could imagine in trying to illustrate the love of God, you would have to say, after laying out that particular comparison, you would have to finally say, and deeper than that. Well, the last of the four dimensions that we're going to look at, the height of God's love. The height of God's love. How would you describe God's love in terms of a height, the dimension height? Well, in John chapter 14, and beginning with verse 1, Jesus told this to the apostles on the very night that he would be betrayed, the night before he would hang on that cross as the perfect sacrifice to give his life, shed his blood to pay the price for the guilt of the sins of all mankind, of all kind, of all time. Jesus told them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus told the apostles on that evening that he was going to his father's house. He was going to prepare a place for them. And of course, the principle applies to us as well. Jesus is there in the Father's house, the Heavenly Father, preparing a place or having a place prepared for us, his faithful followers, so that we can be with him. The height of God's love? Where did Jesus go to the Father's house to prepare that place for his faithful followers? When we look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, on the day that Jesus ascended from this earth to heaven itself, we see the apostles standing there and Jesus being taken up from them through the clouds. And as they stood there gazing upward as Jesus ascended through those clouds up into the sky, two angels stood beside them and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Heaven is where Jesus went to prepare the place for those who would be his faithful followers. When we look in the second chapter of Acts, in verse 33, Peter on Pentecost was teaching the gospel of Christ to that multitude of Jewish men gathered there on that day. He said in verse 33, Therefore, speaking of Christ, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Jesus is right there at the right hand of God. Where is God's reside? Where is his home? Oh, heaven itself. Heaven itself. The Apostle Peter wrote of the ultimate destination of the faithful Christian. In 1 Peter chapter 1, in verses 3 and 4, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. That is the height of God's love for us. He has that home prepared for us if we will walk faithfully and consistently so before him. Now that includes obedience to his teachings communicated to us through his word. If we will live faithfully, obediently, consistently before him in this life, then he has that home prepared for us in heaven for all of eternity. How did Peter put it? Reserved in heaven for you. In Psalm 103 and verse 11, the psalmist wrote this, for the heavens are high above the earth. So great is his mercy toward those who fear him. The height of God's love, as high as heaven itself, that is the height of God's love. Oh, you see, he does not want us to just 
love him, and he does not just love us while we reside in this fleshly body, in this physical realm that we call earth or the world, but he loves us to the extent that he wants us to be with him in heaven for all of eternity, in his eternal home, heaven itself, the height of God's love. Ephesians 3, verses 19 and 20, the Apostle Paul wrote this, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think, according to the power that works within us. God's love surpasses our knowledge. Surpasses our knowledge. Going back to verse 17 in that third chapter of Ephesians again, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Oh yes, we really cannot fully comprehend the love of God for us, how much God loves us. Paul lays it out in those four-dimensional terms, those concepts, the width of God's love. He loves all of mankind everywhere from one pole to the other and all the way around the earth in circumference. The length of God's love, he has always loved us before he ever created us. He loves us now, still, as we live in our physical lives upon this earth. And he wants to love us through all of eternity as we come to live with him in his own home in heaven. The depth of God's love, oh, he gave his son for us, sent his son to the cross as the perfect sacrifice to die to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. The height of God's love, as high as heaven itself, as high as heaven itself, a place that absolutely would reflect the glory of God's love for us. That one verse of scripture again encompasses all of the four dimensions. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's love for us. God's love for us. Oh, it's beyond our real physical ability to measure. It's difficult for us to even imagine just how much God loves us. Think about what we've emphasized in Romans 5 and verse 8. Even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much God loves us. Now, which sinners? All sinners. Oh, yes, the ones who might be guilty of telling what we would call the little white lies, but also the ones who are the worst of the worst, the most heinous and vile of all sinners. Whatever you can imagine that kind of sinful behavior being, God loves us so much 
that his son died for those sinners as well. That they could have the opportunity, the chance to be reconciled to God, to come to him in repentance for forgiveness through Jesus Christ, being baptized for the remission of their sins, being baptized into Christ so that the blood that he shed on the cross could cleanse them of the guilt of their sins. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, before he became the Apostle Paul, was a vile enemy of the church, exceedingly enraged against it, as he put it himself in Scripture. And yet, as Jesus confronted him on the road to Damascus, God's love extended even to him who had persecuted the church, who had hunted down Christians and even voted, apparently, for their executions. God's love extended even to him. And even that enemy of the church, of Jesus Christ himself, was given the opportunity, through God's love, to turn it around, to repent, to come to him, through Christ, for remission of his sins. And so Ananias came to Saul and said, Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. How do you respond to that love from God toward you? How do you respond? How much does God love you? Well, we might say beyond our real comprehension. Now, how much do you love God? In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5, John the Apostle wrote, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Do you love God enough to come to him? That was 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 5 and 6. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. What does it mean to keep the word of God? To not just understand it and believe it, but to live by it obediently and consistently through every day of our lives. In 1 John chapter 5, and verse 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. How much does God love you? He loves you in width, and length, and depth, and height. Now, how much do you love God? Are you ready to come to him through Jesus Christ? Are you ready to repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ? Surrender to him in baptism so your sins can be washed away by the blood that he shed on the cross? Contact us. We'd like to help you along that line. Our phone number is 402-212-7882. 402-212-7882. Our website again, churchofchrist.com churchofchrist.com and you can contact us through the email link there. We hope to hear from you. Let's pray. Father, help us as well as we can to understand 
the magnitude of your love for us and help us to respond to your love by loving you in all of the ways you want us to, Father. Please help us in this. Please forgive us. Please forgive us, gracious Father. And hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.